Welcome to this episode of M3 Minutes. I'm your host, Haley Wolf, and today we'll be exploring the evolving landscape of cybersecurity threats and the measures taken by industry leaders to protect their systems and customer data. Joining us are Representatives Michael Mitchell, VP of IT and Security at M3, and Sierra Lindgren, Senior Fraud Analyst at Paymerang. Let's dive in. Thank you both so much for being here today. Before we dive into today's topics, I'd like for our listeners to get to know each of you a little better. Could you please share a little bit about yourselves and how you found your way to the exciting field of security? And Sierra, I'll let you get us started here. Perfect. Thanks, Haley. Um, So I actually started nursing school at Virginia Commonwealth University here in Richmond. Um, As you all know, you have to take those electives that really have nothing to do with your major, right? And so one of my electives was actually criminal justice. Um, I knew immediately that criminal justice was the path for me. I started working at a bank during college and learned more about financial crimes. And since then, I never turned back. I did graduate from VCU with degrees in psychology and criminal justice. And now I lead our fraud department here at Papering. That is so neat. What a neat background to start in nursing and end up in security. And Michael, how about you? Sort of a similar um, story. I actually started off uh, working in healthcare, so a part of the healthcare segment. Um, within healthcare, I was working with Medicaid and Medicare providers. So with that, and as HIPAA got more and more importance, naturally um, the companies I was working with had to adopt stronger security. Um, I was working as part of the compliance side, and security goes hand in hand with compliance. So I suddenly just found myself falling into the security side, um, helping build up security within these healthcare companies. And it just suddenly between that and IT became a natural part of my job. So um, it was just building that security culture and I just sort of fell into it. Wow, what a similar background to each other. Who knew that healthcare led so many people to security? I'd love to see like some stats on that, if it's just you two or if it's common around the space. Um, So we'll go ahead and get started and talking about security risks today and all of those neat things. So let's start by discussing the evolving landscape of cybersecurity threats and the importance of staying diligent. Michael, can you shed some light on the specific security risks faced by financial technology companies and hotel management companies even? Sure. I think the biggest thing is that security, regardless of industry nowadays, is pretty much the same across the board. <laughs> you have malware that is continuing to evolve. Third-party services that you have to take into account for and how they have their security structured and layered and how that complements yours. Um, spoofing, phishing, smishing are all tactics that keep on getting greater and greater penetration into just day-to-day life for companies in our personal lives, um, unencrypted data, making sure that you have it properly encrypted, um, especially on the financial side is so key, um, especially when you have elements of PCI, um, PII, personally identifying information. On the healthcare side, it was PHI, personal health information. So all these things have to be encrypted and you have to make sure it's secure properly. But one of the biggest things that I see is just lack of awareness. Um, One of the biggest issues that we face in security, regardless of industry, really is that sometimes your employees and your staff are just unaware and they're working to within a lot of different things being thrown at them daily, communication, emails, um, going to meetings, all these different things. But 
if we don't properly inform and train them on the security threats and helping identify that, they become one of our biggest liabilities as well as our one of our greatest assets. So I think that one of the biggest things as new uh, threats are emerging is just constantly making sure our staff are up to date and they're aware and building that security awareness throughout the company. Absolutely. And I know you do a great job at M3 of making all of us aware of the spoofing and spams and email traps that might have fallen victim to a few. Who knows? Um, Sierra, do you have anything to add to Michael's comments? Um, yeah, I agree with Michael a lot. Um, one of the most important things that we do here are train our folks. Um, there are so many different people from different backgrounds, and not everyone knows exactly what threats we have um, facing us today. We actually have a call every Wednesday where um, I get on and I explain to them what the trends that we're seeing, what we can do to keep ourselves safe. Um, identity theft and data breaches is a top concern for us as a fintech industry. Um, and then back to Michael's point, malware attacks are the most common type of cyber threat that's plaguing the financial services industry. And we just need to make sure that our employees and sometimes even our vendors and clients that aren't familiar with this space are educated. Absolutely. And with all these threats, there come some potential consequences, security breaches, including some financial loss, reputational damage, legal implications. Can you highlight any of those, Sierra? Yeah, there is a successful ransomware attack about every 11 seconds. Um, those are the successful ones. All of the unsuccessful ones, we don't really document those a lot, but every 11 seconds, that's a, that's a lot. Um, the average downtime after a security breach or a ransomware attack is 22 days. Um, so going without your systems, without your files, especially if they're not back for 22 days, um, the average ransom figure is about 2% of the net annual revenue. Um, that's a lot of money, especially if it's a multi-million or multi-billion dollar industry. Um, and if it's someone from the OFAC list, the Office of Foreign Assets Control, there are multi-million dollar fines. Um, so as you can see, I mean, this could cause loss of revenue, loss of customers, and definitely brand damage. Absolutely. And Michael, anything to add there? She, Sierra covered the basis. Uh, great. I mean, it, it's an it's a growth industry, unfortunately, is what we're seeing is that the threat landscape is growth industry. Um, by 2030, I think they're basically saying it's going to be a $474 billion industry. Uh, that is incredible considering how much um, it goes into just trying to breach and research companies and find and exploit vulnerabilities. So we as, you know, companies trying to secure our, our perimeters as well as our put all these safeguards in place, we have a responsibility to make sure that not only our people are informed, but also just simply taking as many steps as possible to secure everything within our systems and think about how that has an impact, not only to the company, its reputation, but also to our clients, what we provide to our clients and the employees within those companies. Because it 22 days is a very long time. It has a huge impact. And if you do have something like a ransomware attack, if you decide to pay that ransom, it can be detrimental. Many companies have closed their doors because of these attacks that are unfortunately becoming more and more well orchestrated. It's very, very saddening, and those numbers are 
staggering, honestly. I did not realize it was that pre prevalent. Um, so thank you for the insight there. And I know you said it was growing in numbers. With that, technology is just growing at a rapid pace too. We've seen, you know, chat GBT and things like that come out over the last six months and gain a lot of pop popularity. Um, so let's kind of start to explore the role of emerging tech and enhancing cybersecurity and the challenges they present. Michael, how do, how does artificial intelligence and machine learning impact the detection and migration of cyber threats? It is a huge impact to the industry, cybersecurity industry. Um, traditional methods are just no longer adequate to prevent breaches. It's too manual, it's too labor intensive. So, and the complexity of these attacks have really increased over time, as well as multiple avenues. Um, when a threat actor is starting to research a company, they're just not going and trying to scrape a website um, or scrape LinkedIn for information. They're also going out to the dark web. They're going to different forums, trying to get any type of information where someone has purchased lists or passwords or anything that's been exposed. Um, social media has become a huge way of communicating, collaborating, but it's also detrimental to us as well because a lot of people put things out there they shouldn't. Um, simple things in terms of images, photos, biometrics, there's a lot more ways to breach a company than ever before. AI and machine learning is critical. So anything that's going to be a next generation technology is really critical because it can actually automate looking for patterns, understanding a company based on normal traffic and flow, normal actions within a company so that if it sees something that is out of context or doesn't seem to make sense based on the normal day to day, it can flag that, alert it, actually start doing smart modeling and help prevent uh, emerging threats and attacks that may occur. So it's very big. The one side of that is also a downside as, as it becomes more and more open to the public. That means that threat actors are using open AI and machine learning to basically enhance their attacks. So it almost becomes sort of a fight fire with fire situation where as we keep on incorporating more next, genera uh, next generation technology, we're also seeing that we're having to do that in response to threat actors and hackers that are using the same type of platforms as well. So it's, it's definitely emerging on our side. It's critical to keeping up with the threat landscape, but it's also something that we're seeing they're countering with the same thing. Sierra, can you highlight the potential security consequences of Internet of Things devices and the need for a robust protection in connected environments? IoT security is understood as a cybersecurity strategy and protection mechanism that safeguards against possibility of cyber attacks, which target physical devices that are connected to a network. Um, without this robust security, any connected IoT device is vulnerable to a breach, a compromise, and controlled by a bad actor or a fraudster to ultimately infiltrate, steal our data, and bring down our systems. This goes back to how many times, how, how long do we want to be down? Um, so back to Michael's point, we have got to make sure that our devices are secure, um, use different things like multiple factor authentication, single sign-on, stuff like that to make sure that our devices are um, protected. We use different devices every single day. I use my cell phone, I use my iPad, my laptop. We just have to make sure that every single device that we're using for our business needs is protected. Absolutely, and a few questions kind of going off of that for our listeners and just some best practices. As far as passwords go, is it is it okay to keep like a password 
safe type thing on your phone that has all the passwords listed. Um, you know, some best practices for passwords, maybe not your dog's name. Like Michael said, they can find that out on social media. Anything that y'all would recommend for, for those practices? So I always change my password about every 30 days. Um, I never actually use the same password to log into multiple devices um, or multiple different apps. So you never want to use the exact same password. Um, I think the the number of characters that you're supposed to have is a minimum of 15. Um, so you want to make sure that your password is long and complex. Um, there are special characters in there. Um, use numbers instead of letters. And, and then back to Michael's point, your social media, you can post anything on there. They can find out your dog's name, your address. So definitely stay away from something that is familiar to you and go way off the, the chart and just pick something completely random. Perfect. Michael, anything to add? Sure. One of the key things that I tell people to do is do a sentence. Do a short sentence that basically is meaningful to you, not something that would incorporate your dog's name, your children, <clears throat> where you live, any of those personal type things. But, you know, something is sky is blue. And then use something like that and change out some of the characters with numbers. Use special characters like Sierra said. Make it complex, but something that's going to be easy for you to remember. Um, the other side of it, too, is make sure, I think the biggest thing, like I just said, make it memorable. Make it memorable enough so that you don't put it on a sticky and suddenly stick it underneath your keyboard. Or I don't know how many times I've walked around. Fortunately, not here at M3, but just in my career where I walk around, I sit down to help someone. And there's their password stuck to their monitor. And I'm like, security breach. This is not good. <laughs> so make sure it's meaningful. Make sure it's complex, just like Sierra said. And, uh, you know, definitely rotate. Um, I've known some people that use the same password. They put numbers in it and they just increase the, the numbers up. That's great. It does give you a minimum level of security. But over time, people are going to see those patterns. And they're going to start testing against that if they try to breach it. So definitely try to make it as complex as possible. Um, but again, the biggest thing is make sure that it's something that you're not going to have to reset it every two days because you keep on forgetting that phrase. Absolutely. Yeah, those are some great insights. Thank you both for those. So now we're going to move into cloud security. I know the cloud is a huge topic right now and trend. So with the increased reliance on cloud computing, what are the consequences for cybersecurity and how can organizations ensure the security of their cloud environment? I'll start. Um, I think one of the big things is really understanding what you're doing in the cloud. There is public versus private cloud. Um, with that, there comes a little bit of different complexities. Public cloud, of course, like Azure, AWS, Google Cloud, for all those platforms, they have a lot of things that they've already put in place that you can utilize and take um, advantage of, um, like Microsoft Defender and those type of items. They usually come at a cost, but they're also pre-built. The other side of it with public cloud services is that they also are addressing a broad range of industries. So a lot of times they have all these certifications already because they're doing banking, finance, healthcare. They're doing different segments of industry that handle real estate, everything under the sun. Uh, and they know it's going to be used for not only things like collaboration space, but also your storefronts. You're talking about web uh, storefronts, uh, web platforms that are being built on it. So they have things like they have HIPAA certifications, they have PCI, they have their SOC 2. A lot of that's in place, but it is still up to each organization to make sure they put the proper protection in place. Private cloud usually goes one of two routes. It's either basic security, 
that you then have to layer in additional security on, giving you just the basic level that you need to protect their private cloud that they've set up for you. And you then add in additional, or they have more customizable so that you can actually start layering it in. I sort of look at cloud, it's the same as on-premise. Always know your threat landscape, know what you're actually trying to do with that platform, know your both your internal exposure points and your ex external exposure points, and you address each one of those. Most modern cybersecurity solutions have cloud options as well as on-premise. So I sort of treat it as just an extension of anything that we may have here on-premise. It's just another platform. The same type of security implications take place on the cloud versus on-premise. You need firewalls. You need endpoint protection. You need you know, logging and exposure to actually understand the type of actions that are occurring within your environment. Perfect. And Sierra, would you agree with Michael's take on the cloud? Absolutely. Um, the one thing that I just want to reiterate is just make sure that it's properly vetted cloud provider. Um, we have so many people that want to just go with the, the cheapest provider. That's not always the best thing to do. Make sure they're properly vetted um, and make sure they will have their own security measures in place. Perfect. Great advice there. And Michael, can you highlight some best practices for securing cloud environments and the role of cloud service providers in maintaining robust security measures? So for that, um, I think that some of the best practices, again, I, I sort of covered some of that. It's making sure, understand your um, external exposure points, your internal, what you're actually doing with it. Look at the type of services that they provide. Um, and how to secure those. Also, the role of the cloud service providers, exactly what Sierra said, vet those out carefully. And that really goes for any third party you're working with. Ask what their security program and their certifications are. There's so many, and this is, goes back to Sierra's point, you get some of these instant cloud providers that just pop up overnight. They have this great solution, but when you really start digging into it, they haven't been thoroughly tested and implemented security measures that really make sense. So making sure that you really ask and do that due diligence is so critical. Um, ask them for, you know, get the reports of their SOC 2 reports. Ask them if they're ISO certified. Get all that information and actually look at those certifications. Get their last security scan reports, vulnerability, penetration testing. Do all that due diligence to make sure they're actually a reputable provider and they've done what they said. Um, so many times we've had to turn down third parties because we suddenly see that they just do not have the security that we would expect and that we feel is necessary to protect our interests and our clients. So it's it's critical to do that due diligence. It's critical to do that research. It's critical to find the right vendor and the right type of services for the meet your needs. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned vetting third party vendors. And, you know, that's exactly what our customers do, too, when looking for accounting software and accounts payable solutions. Um, and I know M3 and Paymarine have been partners for quite some time, and it's been a great partnership. But we do hold some financial data of a lot of hotels throughout America. Um, so I kind of want to get into what M3 does and what Paymarine does. So we'll start with M3. Um, Michael, what key measures are being taken by M3 to protect systems and customers' information? Can you discuss encryption protocols, access controls to ensure data integrity and that everything's confidential? Definitely, definitely. So there's definitely a lot there. Um, and I, I think the best thing to really start it off and say is that we take security very seriously at M3. We have a really strong passion for it. 
specifically, we look at the ISO 27001 standards. It's an international standard for security. Um, we also layer in with that um, PCI DSS. We may not actually handle the actual transactions through PCI ourselves. That's why we work with providers like Paymarang and others. Um, but we still look at that because we still are a downstream vendor that's initiating or helping with this and those inter the interactions and those integrations. Um, we also take into that a lot of compliance standards too, CCPA, GPDR. So with all that being said, we basically look at all that and that's how we actually build out and keep on evolving our security stance. So looking at how we encrypt data in motion. At the same time, doing all those SSL certs to actually have that security in place, you still have to also encrypt it at rest. So anything that's sensitive information that we would consider sensitive banking information, personal identifying information, we want to make sure that we encrypt that within our databases. We also have a lot of endpoint protection in place, um, endpoint protection and encryption using BitLocker on all of our laptops, uh, mobile device management. So that if someone's laptop is stolen or taken, or it just gets damaged to the point where it needs to be just wiped. We can actually mobily do that if someone's out in the field. Uh, looking at role-based per, uh, permissions, making sure that we have limited access to what a person needs to do their job, but only what they need to do their job, not giving them exposure to the entire world. Um, secure development processes, because we do develop products, so making sure that our developers are doing it in a safe space and using components that are also secure. Um, security activity reviews, critical to our organization. We want to have good insight as to what is actually occurring outside the organization coming in, as well as what we are doing internally as well. So making sure that all of our endpoints, if we see any type of um, heuristics or tags that basically tell us, hey, there's some suspicious activity here. How do we actually handle that and put an incident response together for it? Um, security education is a big one too. Security really is ongoing and it's constantly evolving. Uh, we have so many protections in place today. It sounds like it's super complex and parts of it are, but the key to it is making sure that it all meshes together so that you have a good sort of single pane of glass to be able to actually understand your security position and make sure that you're protecting against new vulnerabilities, exposure, and putting those solid tools in place. Absolutely. And it's an everyday job. You know, each day is a new day and new threats come in. So you can't stop. you got to keep going. And Sierra, how about for Paymarang side of things? How do you guys do your security measures? Yeah, so we actually have a lot in place that Michael just spoke about. We are PCI compliant because we're the ones that are actually processing those payments. Um, we have to buy by NACHA because we're the ones that are actually processing those ACH payments. Um, we have several different departments here for different types of security. Um, so I'm the fraud analyst and I oversee our operations um, side of fraud. So I'm looking at the payments aspect um, and the protection of the payments. We also have our info security team, going back to Michael's point, everything that he talked about, the endpoints, um, they're making sure that our computers are all safe. Um, we're logging in where we should be. No one has um, multiple roles. If you're a specific role, you're not able to change things or alter in any way. Um, each person in our company has a different role and responsibility, and that's exactly what controls they have. Um, but first and foremost, when it comes to the actual payment side, we're verifying all shared information over the phone with all of our vendors. We don't actually communicate with vendors through email. We ask them to give us a call. Um, and as you all know, it's because business email compromises are at an all-time high. And we don't want to just go based on what an email um, is, is telling us to do. All of our information is encrypted. 
uh, we're not able to change or alter any information that's input by our vendors. Um, our vendors are also required to use multiple factor authentication to log into our portal. So if they don't have the ability for that MFA, they're not able to log in um, and we'll just continue to mail them a check. Um, furthermore, once a client uploads a payment for a vendor, uh, we review that payment to determine if it's high risk in any way. Um, we look at the dollar amount. We look at um, has it increased by a substantial amount? We paid them $2,000 last month, but now we're paying them $200,000. Why that increase all of a sudden? Um, we look to see if any information has changed on the vendor side. Um, the vendor is able to log into the secure portal and change their banking information. So we just we reach out to the vendor to confirm that that is legitimate. And when we do, we verify shared information. There's so much more that we do on the vendor side as well. Um, if they go in, they change an address, anything like that. We review all of that as a potential high-risk payment. Um, and if we do determine that it is high risk, we contact the client for more information. We want to know exactly why that has changed. We get an invoice copy. We compare the previous invoice to the invoice that we see now. Unfortunately, that's what we're seeing a lot of is fraudulent invoices. So we compare the different invoices that we see from different clients across the board. Perfect. And I know, you know, with M3 and Paymering, we collaborate a lot through this partnership and we have a lot of joint customers. So, Sierra, can you let our listeners know of how M3 and Paymering collaborate to enhance security for their financial data? Yeah, M3 has been a phenomenal partner all across the board, but especially when fighting fraud. Um, anytime we have a question about a payment or an email from one of their properties or from one of their clients um, that's just out of the ordinary, it just doesn't make sense. We email them or call them and they jump into action to assist our team. Um, nothing goes unanswered um, with M3. They're very, very quick to respond. Um, one thing that we do is utilize the payment file that's generated by M3. It's imported to deliver those payments. And this means that we're following M3's instructions. So we don't have to go in and alter or change anything. Um, so that's one of the most important things is we're taking that file from your ERP and we're actually making those payments and there's no changes or anything done. Again, I could be talking all day about our collaboration and, and what we do as a partnership, uh, but that's one of the most important things. And we can't thank M3 enough um, for being such a phenomenal partner. We love you guys. And Michael, did you have anything to add to Sierra's comments about how we work in tandem with Paymering with security? I think she she summed it up perfectly. We we really appreciate the partnership that we've got with Paymering. They've been incredible partners. And, you know, the responsiveness on both sides has just been incredible. We've been very lucky to be able to partner with them and provide their services to our clients. And it's just been such a, a growth and enriching relationship that, you know, it's one of those that we're expecting to be around for quite some time. Absolutely. Um, so moving on to education and awareness, because um, that's a huge thing, as you were talking about earlier in the podcast, um, employee and customer education and awareness of security are really important factors to ensure the company's safety and also their own safety, their own data safety. So, Michael, what steps is M3 taking to promote education and awareness? I know you send out the monthly incredible security newsletter. So if you kind of want to touch on that and what you've done with the screens around the office and all of that. Definitely. So security education is, like we said before, critical to building a security culture within an organization. But at the same time, we know that security can be a little dry. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's very technical. There's technical briefs, papers, documents. Um, not only that, but sometimes it's overwhelming as well. People hear all the bad in the news, 
especially when it comes to, you know, a bank that may have been breached, um, exposure from this company or another that suddenly got hacked, um, and suddenly there, someone's personal information may be out there and exposed. So what we try to do is keep it relatable and fun. We, of course, have the security newsletter that is great. It gives a lot of information to our users um, and uh, employees basically talking about different security measures, risk out there, some good facts and numbers, and also simple strategies that everybody can use in everyday life. Um, another thing that we do is we actually use um, Know Before's Inside Man, basically creating more of an episodic sort of, a, everybody loves a good story. That's the one thing I love about it, is everybody loves a good story. They love their shows on TV. It's very much like that, and it keeps it interesting, but still conveys a security message at the same time. So it's a nice way to wrap something a little bit more fun around a, ser a serious security issue. Um, besides that, we also do a lot of reinforcement. So we have TVs at our um, offices that we actually uh, are rotating different security messages on. Um, common things such as stranger danger. If you see someone on site that you don't know, ask them who they are. Um, don't let more than one person through the door at a time. Everybody scan in. We're a secure facility. Um, password uh, practices like we just talked about. What's well, a good way to actually do your passwords and how to secure those passwords? Making sure when you get up away from your desk, lock your computer. Um, yes, we have policies in place to do it automatically, but still, anytime you get up, just go ahead and do that quick lock action. Um, we're also in process of creating new security training that really highlights a lot of the modern risks that we face, both at work and at home. Again, keeping it relatable so that people understand that smishing attacks that you may get, you know, some of these um, text messages saying, hey, I need your help. I need 50 uh, gift cards or $100 each. Um, tips to quickly identify phishing, uh, such as looking at those emails and saying, hey, I don't know who this comes from. The font is really irregular. Small things that we can all do to basically identify those harmful emails and communication that's coming into us. You know, we want to make sure that people understand that threats are not just present at work. So we try to educate our staff that it's security is really part of everyday life, not only at work, but at home. And everything that we apply here is not just work related. It can actually help you in your real life as well. Absolutely. And on top of that, I do want to point out that Michael tries his best to make security very fun. So last month, for instance, the, the newsletter focused on the cloud and he had some puns in there like on cloud nine and things like that to really make readership a little better. And for the normal person, you know, who doesn't know too much about security to maybe open it up and read it. Um, so he does a great job with that. And I think no before might be M3 like favorite saga on TV if you did a poll. Uh, so Sierra, I'll move on to you. Um, what are you doing at Paymering for education awareness for your employees and customers? Yeah, so um, that's actually my wheelhouse. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do here. Obviously, it comes second to keeping our payments safe and secure, um, but we're so serious about education and awareness. Um, first, we start in-house. We want to make sure that all of our employees are aware of what's happening, um, what our clients are seeing, what our vendors are seeing. So again, I do a Wednesday call every single day with our entire company, um, and we're across the country now. Um, so we all get on a Wednesday call at 4.30 and we go through what the trends are, what we're seeing um, across the board. Um, we provide quarterly fraud webinars for all of our clients. 
um, we break it out by industry because there are so many different industries that are facing different things. Um, so our hospitality industry might not be seeing the same thing that our higher education industry is seeing. So we want to make sure that they're aware of what's happening in their particular industry. Um, we also have our fraud newsletters and our blog posts that go out monthly and sometimes quarterly. And these are best practices um, to keep our clients' payments safe and secure. Sometimes we'll even provide them examples of what we've seen um, and even tell them of what the outcome is. And I think that's what they get most excited about. So I usually am the bearer of bad news. I usually have to tell our clients, you know, this was fraud. We did catch it. We did not send out several hundred thousand dollars, but this is what happened. And usually I can tell them, you know, we were able to contact law enforcement. We were able to get that account shut down. And what they were able to tell me is there was a little over a half a million dollars in that account. So thank you for your help. And I think our clients get so excited about that, um, that they are more vigilant and they understand that this is very, very important and very, very um, serious when it comes to fraud. And they're just going to continue to get hit. And because of these educational webinars that we've been able to provide to our clients, um, they actually have been um, very more on top of things. And they've been able to catch a lot more things internally just because of the best practices that we share with them. Absolutely. So it sounds like we have some similar approaches with security and maybe one day we can do a joint joint webinar on security. That might be a good thing for us to dive into. Um, and Sierra, I know you mentioned trends. You have your call to talk about trends that are happening with security. So with trends, before we leave today, I wanted to discuss the future outlook for security. What do you think will be the biggest trends in security over the next year, next two years even? So Sierra, I'll let you get us started. Yeah, um, right now, ransomware attacks and business email compromises are an all-time high. Um, I don't see this trend changing anytime soon. Um, last year alone, businesses lost over $1.5 billion in elaborate business email compromise schemes. Um, that's just businesses that actually reported that. So that is a small number compared to um, the actual businesses that did fall victim that did not report it. So I don't foresee this, this trend happening. Um, we receive business email compromises from clients probably daily at this point. It's just going to get worse. Um, what a lot of people don't understand is fraud is a multi-billion dollar industry. This is a job for them. Um, and this is what they do for a living. They prey on other organizations that work really, really hard. And all it is is just a simple click of a mouse. Um, so I think the business email compromises and the ransomware attacks are just going to get more prevalent in the very near future. And I think that's what um, our job is, Michael and I, as security professionals, is to just continue to e educate our organization and educate as many organizations across the nation as we can to prevent this from happening. And I have hopes this podcast will, you know, help put a dent in some of that education across the industry of hospitality. Michael, anything to add to Sierra's comments there? She made some great points. I think that Sierra's right on top of it. I mean, really, it is a growth industry, hacking as a service is basically part of our new lexicon of terms. It, it's something out there that anyone in cybersecurity is seeing grow. Um, the other portion of it, I think, is really understanding, like we talked about before, AI, machine learning, <clears throat> next level technologies are going to be critical to that fight because it's going to be how they construct their hacking attempts and those the threat actors or what they're putting in place because it is business for them. Um, they have access to it. And we need to be able to learn how to leverage that. 
On top of that, it's really sort of also understanding a clear picture of the threat landscape and how we can respond quickly, nimbly to any type of incidents. Um, 22 days to get back from a ransomware attack is a long time. And now there's not, they're not targeting industries or specific companies. It's anyone and everyone they can basically latch onto that they think they can get a payment out of. So with that, companies have to become very quick and understand and really build out the secure organizations to the point where we have to build up and adopt those zero trust principles to basically really inspect, verify before there's trust. So I think everybody is now getting to that point, which is sad in some ways because by nature, we want to trust people. But now with the security landscape and what we do with cybersecurity, protecting our companies and our clients' interests, you can't do that. It's always basically everything has to be inspect, trust, and verify. I mean, inspect, verify, then trust, I'm sorry, um, on everything we do. Guilty before proven innocent in this case. Yeah. <laughs> so one last thing to chat about with you guys today is I wanted each of you to give our listeners one piece of advice for them to stay safe in the digital world. So Sierra, what would your one piece of advice be to our listeners for them to stay safe? Always be open to new education. Um, fraud is changing every single day. Um, so what you learned two weeks ago may not be what you need to keep in your back pocket for today. Um, I've seen it change last week to today. Um, so always be open to education and listen to the professionals. Um, listen to what they have to offer. They have the insight on the new, newest trends and how to keep your payments safe. Absolutely. And Michael, what would your one piece of advice be? Really sort of piggybacking on what Sierra said too, it, it sort of comes into be open to always learning more about security and understanding how the world is changing with it. But going back to what I said before too, is almost is pretty good, a good word to live by, inspect, verify, and then trust, because that's pretty much that core responsibility and principle that you can go back to for almost anything that when you get those emails, when you get those text messages, do you really know who it's coming from? Can you verify that? If you can, then there's going to be a better high trust compared to not. Absolutely. And I believe our listeners will really appreciate these insights that you guys gave us today. Um, any final thoughts from either of you before we log off for another episode of M3 Minutes? I'm good. I appreciate this. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope to have you both on again and we can get to that webinar, hopefully. Absolutely. Sounds good. And that wraps up another episode of M3 Minutes. Thank you so much for joining us today. We trust that you've gained valuable insights into staying safe in today's ever-changing tech environment. Your security is paramount, and we're committed to providing you with the latest tips and best practices. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to show your support by liking and subscribing to our podcast. By doing so, you'll stay updated on future episodes where we'll continue to explore exciting topics and bring you expert advice. Remember, your dedication to safeguarding your customers' data and maintaining a secure environment is crucial. Stay vigilant, stay informed, and implement the best security practices to protect your valuable assets. Thank you once again for joining us, and until next time, stay secure.